Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original Biz Dad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the Biz Dad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Biz Dad Podcast. I am excited to talk to uh, to Luke Henry today, who is our guest. Um, uh, he uh, just read it over his bio. I'm really excited to kind of to get get into depth about uh, about his enjoyment of being a dad and the different vision visions and mission he has there. Um, uh, I'm really looking forward to the, the to the conversation. So, Luke, uh, thank you first off for coming on. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, your family, and then tell us a little bit about your businesses as well. Yeah, thanks for having me, Adam. Looking forward to the conversation as well. So, uh, yeah, Luke Henry. I am in Marion, Ohio. I've been married to my wife, Lindsay, for uh, 18 years. This weekend, we have two children, 12 and a half and 11, boy, girl, Emerson and Olivia. Our businesses, uh, we have kind of a uh, family of family businesses. Uh, so it started out um, kind of way back. Uh, I started a landscaping business when I was in junior high and continued that through high school, college. And then once I had a full-time job, my first uh, full-time job was as a pharmacist. I went to school. I got a doctor of pharmacy degree. I was a pharmacist and was still doing landscaping on the side. And with a couple of full-time jobs, um, didn't have any kids yet. And my wife and I actually thought we were like way too busy back then, and which is sort of funny now. But um, at the time, we said, this is just a little too much. You know, who has two full-time jobs? Uh, one of these probably needs to go. And so I had somebody I was going to sell my landscaping business to. And in the 11th hour, decided I couldn't do that and that I wanted to uh, pursue this life of entrepreneurship. And that I could always go back to being a pharmacist someday if I wanted. And so I quit my job as a pharmacist after working just two years and started doing landscaping full time. And that was the, the beginning of the, the full on entrepreneurial journey because I'd never done it full time. It always mm-hmm. been just on the side. And so I uh, jumped into that and uh, haven't looked back. I haven't practiced as a pharmacist now for six or seven years. I actually let my license lapse about three and a half years ago and had a little ceremony out my driveway, burned my pharmacy license and uh, said, I'm I'm not going back to that. I've got plenty else to do. And you weren't playing around, the, but you really let that go. I, that, yeah. I, I sure did. So, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, so that's kind of, we still have that business today. We employ about a hundred people. Uh, I have a couple of locations. Uh, my wife has not really ever been involved in that business except as a cheerleader, supporter, mm-hmm. sounding board uh, through many years. I mean, that's what's paid our bills pretty much all the way through our married life. Uh, back also in college, I bought my first piece of real estate. I bought, I guess, you know, in today's terms, you'd call it a house hack. 
Um, I bought a house, a five bedroom house in our college town, and I rented out the other four rooms to friends. And uh, we had um, that for several years while in college and then after college. And then also early in our marriage, started buying some single family homes, built a portfolio over time. And I'm trying to kind of compress all this uh, into, you know, a succinct uh, story. But then uh, five years ago was when we really took a leap and uh, decided to uh, me and a business partner buy eight buildings on one block in our downtown of our hometown where we live here in Marion, Ohio, uh, that were vacant or significantly underutilized and start a movement in our downtown uh, for revitalization. We called that effort and our company Main Street Reimagined. And so we started to become uh, small time real estate developers. Nice. And along the way, we also, uh, again, we can kind of dive into some of the details, but along the way, we've started a whole suite of different small businesses that are tenants in our downtown buildings. So we have an ice cream shop and restaurant, two hair salons, three wedding and event venues. We just opened a uh, full service Italian restaurant and catering facility. And then we also run the construction and property management for our development, which has now grown to about 20 buildings in our downtown, which then includes uh, kind of some uh, business development, of course, uh, accounting that we've centralized and, and all of that. So. So along the way, uh, my wife also became a business owner. She um, stepped in to run one of our our ice cream shop, uh, sandwich shop, uh, right before COVID. <laughs> I asked her to just do a short term assignment. She was she's been a uh, stay at home mom for mm-hmm. uh, most of the time. She was a teacher, and then when we had our first child, she started uh, staying at home, and then had been doing some subbing in our kids' school. And we had a partner that was operating this uh, small restaurant and he kind of bailed on us. So I asked my wife if she'd do like a short term step in and help with that. And she agreed. And that was three and a half years ago that she's been running that business. Very short term. Yes. Very short term. <laughs> yep. Uh, and she uh, then uh, opened a toy store uh, about 10 or 11 months ago. So we have that whole whole thing going on as well. So it sounds like you guys really aren't doing much. Um, we're, I think you guys did step not. it up a little bit. Sit around. Yeah, yeah yep, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Hence, hence you're able to spend a couple hours with me. So, All right, absolutely. But, man, that's, that is an impressive portfolio of stuff. And honestly, I'm looking at some of this stuff and I'm thinking to myself, well, there is no way the kids are not involved in some of that. I mean, ice cream shops and toy stores? Come on. This right, is like, absolutely. You're setting it up to, to bring the kids into this stuff for sure. Absolutely. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, before we dig into that part, though, I want to kind of know, like, let's let's rewind. Like, we've got an idea of who you and your family are, um, and we'll dig into that a lot more here soon. But um, going back even farther, let's chat a little bit about like your your upbringing with your dad, like where where your base was and how how you kind of started. Um, tell us a little bit about your your dad and your upbringing, and um, kind of walk us through the your Luke's younger years. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I think that I was shaped, especially by my grandfathers, who were both farmers. And so growing up in the Midwest, having 
grandfathers that are farmers and my parents were both grown up in that life, you know, that work ethic and drive, I think was instilled in me from an early age. And so I look back at that you know, without really knowing it or even thinking about it at the time I saw my grandfathers, I saw what uh, they, they did and uh, the way that they worked and the stories about all of those things. Um, my dad was not an entrepreneur or, or small business person. He actually worked for the government. Um, and so kind of took a different road. And I think that we, I would first of all say that we have a good relationship and I think it's gotten better even as I've gotten older and really have come to appreciate what it takes mm -hmm. to be a dad, <laughs> I think as a kid and especially as a teenager, uh, I thought I was smarter than I was. And, um, you know, as probably a lot of us would say, made some mistakes there. But, uh, you know, I've really come to appreciate what my dad has has done. He grew up, um, his parents were divorced while he was fairly young. And um, his, uh, you know, had some, some abuse from his mom. And I really respect what he did to turn around that dysfunction. And I can look back and see like kind of his healing process, even during my growing up from mm -hmm. what, you know, where he was, was, was wounded and had some things that needed to be addressed from his childhood, realizing that as he became a dad and I, I saw him work through that. I respect what he did. And then, you know, today I think that our relationship is even better as I've matured and as, as he's really come around and has, um, again, just healed from, from where he started and where he is today. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that uh, sounds very similar to, to my dad and kind of what he, what he went through between the, um, the abuse and the, um, he lost his father when he was like one. So he had a stepfather after that. Um, and it just, man, like, I knowing more about my dad, and I think you mentioned that you'd, you'd heard the conversation between my dad and I, but the more I got to know about him as I got older, the same thing, like it just it gave me a different respect and understanding of, of who he was and like what he was actually doing for us. Um, you know, it, it's easy for us as younger, as younger folks to just say, hey, these are all the things that we're missing and not realizing, you know, all the things that they may, they may be emotionally and physically missing that they can't give us or that they don't have, or that, you know, that they're like the things they are actually doing to actually support us. And we don't realize it until much later. And it's, uh, um, uh, the, the freedom that it gave me once I started to realize that and the, the ability to get a little closer to my dad was just, a um, it was very, it was very freeing to kind of go through that. And wow. Wow. Adam, you're an absolute idiot. I can't believe you did it. Like you just thought that you were just, you know, uh, it was all about me, 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 me. I never really thought about it from that perspective. Did you kind of have that same feeling or was it a little bit different for you when you started to kind of understand a little bit more about your dad? I think that the realization that I've really come to is that all of us have trouble doing what we haven't seen modeled, mm -hmm. right? So it's, we don't know what we don't know. And I, I look back and, you know, whether it's my parents or whether it's even myself as a parent, I think you, you look back and you say, well, he, he didn't know differently because mm -hmm. he didn't have it modeled for him. And so therefore, in order for him to learn, it was a great deal of work. You know, he, 
he read books and and did things with intention, went to conferences on how to be a better dad, about a better husband, a better man. And so, you know, I, I saw that work and the, mm-hmm. the fruits of that work. And I, you know, I really respect that because I'm doing the same thing. You know, there's mm-hmm. some areas where, you know, I, I maybe parent differently than my dad or, you know, we're, we are different people and there's, there's things that I've chosen to, to do differently. And, you know, maybe some areas where I, I would have liked to have a little more. And so I didn't have it modeled, but with the right intention and with a learning journey, I can fill in some of those gaps and hopefully be a better parent to my kids. What sort of gaps do you think that you, you wish you would have had filled when you were younger? Um, I think probably just uh, more conversation. Probably, you know, just a, a closer relationship, um, just day to day, you know, hearing about my dad's successes, struggles, and being able to just have conversation about things that were going on with, with me. And again, it wasn't, wasn't bad, but I just, it, it could have been even closer. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that he would have enjoyed that more and I would have enjoyed that more. And so, you know, again, looking back, I realized that he didn't have that with his dad. His dad worked two or three jobs, yeah. was a single parent of three boys. Like he didn't have that close relationship with his dad. And so therefore, while he respected his dad and again, later in life was a little bit closer with his dad, like he didn't have that either. So he didn't have it modeled. So therefore yeah. he wasn't able to provide that. And so, you know, I'm recognizing that and I'm saying, okay, well, in order for me to, to do differently, I've got to you know, either look for other people that model that well, or I've got to read books or, or listen mm-hmm. to podcasts or other ways that I can just learn how to do that. Um, right. Sometimes, again, that, that may not resonate with certain people because they had that modeled and so they intuitively do it. But when you don't have that modeled, you have to go out and, and seek those skills. So I think all of us are missing something, right? Well, all of us are, are yeah. we have a gap somewhere from something that we wish our parents would have done or, um, but just the fact that, that you are thinking through the process of going, okay, well, how can I make sure that my kids don't have that gap? Because all too often you see just the, that recycle, that same gap missing, that same problem, that same right. thing that just right. keeps rolling downhill until you have somebody break that, that mold and break that wireframe that's already built that just keeps getting repeated. Like, it's just going to keep going. So now you're the one that's saying, hey, these are some of the things that I, I feel like I was missing. And then when your kids grow up, they're going to say, hey, these are some of the things I think I was missing. Right. And hopefully we we instill the critical thinking into them that make them go, okay, I know that I was missing that. I want to make sure that my kids don't miss that. Um, and it's no offense to us. We're, we're going to be missing things because we don't, yeah. you know, we're, we're only trying to fill the gaps that we knew that we missed. And we're, we're not aware of the gaps that we're providing our kids. So, you right. know. There are um, no perfect dads. and Every child okay. is different. You're talking to you know? one, so hold off. Okay. <laughs> Perfect dad of the year over here. No. <laughs> but no, completely agree. And every child is very different. So um, it's, I, you know, especially now that I have a daughter, I, I had two boys and now this little girl and I'm thinking like every day I look at her and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do as you get older. Like right now you're only three months old, so this is easy, but. Right. All of man, us are the, learning the, on the job. So yeah. this is. Yeah, that's why I want to chat with people like you who've done this before me and, you know, try to steal as much information from you as possible. And um, hopefully somebody else gets something too. you know, it's, 
it's a crazy it's a crazy process and if if we don't stop to you know i I think what I've gathered through some of these conversations is that it's it seems to be so I was in the military for a long time, and these types of conversations didn't really happen about how to be better dads, how to be better you know um husbands how to like it just wasn't it was it was always how to be better how to be a better operator how to be a better um whatever in the military um and that was the, that was it we drove 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 that which is i think part of the reason why there's such a large divorce rate in the military but um mm-hmm. it seems like a lot of i mean most of the people i'm talking to are entrepreneurs and business owners and you know that they're they're working through this type of stuff so they're always trying to challenge their thinking and always trying to grow in different ways and it seems to show up in their in their family as well um at least, especially with our GoBundance folks, because we have such a wide range of of like things that we want to be what's called whole life millionaire, right? Not just not just our pocketbook, but you know, in our family right. and everything too. So, um, have you found that that um, how long are you how long have you been in GoBundance? Uh, coming up on two years. Okay. Have you have you found a similar thing in the conversations? Because we tend to get really you know, especially in our in our events, we tend to get really deep into some things that just not used to in other in other groups and communities um yeah so i'll pause there yeah no absolutely it's been a my experience that everyone that i talk to is working on more than just one sector of their life more than Mm -hmm. just one pillar they're not just trying to build wealth they're not just trying to have great health it 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 really is a whole life approach. And I also think that I've seen it. You probably have too, where when someone builds discipline and becomes a lifelong learner, becomes Mm -hmm. very focused on developing and learning and being curious in one area of their life, it's very common for it to overflow to the others. If I'm looking for excellence in in my health and in my marriage, it's going to overflow into my business. It's going to overflow into mm-hmm. my parenting just because I'm becoming the best version of myself. I'm really focusing on that development and that yearning to, to be the, the very best version. And it, it naturally spills over. I see it all, all the yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, and that makes, that makes perfect sense really when you, when you break it down and think about it. But, you know, I, I look back, it's, um, listening to you talk about your dad and thinking about my dad, I think it was also a different time for them too, because it, it it's not a there wasn't much drive for sitting down and having conversations with your kids about certain things. At least, at least for many of the dads that I saw, like even you know, mm-hmm. my dad wasn't a an anomaly in that sense. It was it seemed as though none of my friends had dads that did a lot of that either. Um, where it's kind of um, at least I hope uh, broadly changing um, to where this is more of a a comfortable thing for us to chat with our kids. And, you know, that, that conversation thing you were talking about was something I always felt like I was lacking. I had that with my mom, um, but never really with my dad. Cause he was usually working two or three jobs somewhere else doing something. Um, and I don't think he, he knew how to be emotionally available. It's still to still a little bit to, to this day. doesn't really know how to be emotionally available and have a conversation that goes beyond, Hey brother, how you doing? You know, like I just, it hit like that part of his body was just completely shut off as a kid and let alone mm-hmm. through the military and corrections. So, um, do you think that was similar for, for your dad or do you think it was, uh, different reasonings behind it or, um, yeah. Where do you think the yeah, gap I was would, there? Yeah, I would say, uh, probably similar that just 
growing up in the era that he did uh, and then parenting in the era that he did, uh, it wasn't as common, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not as uh, focused on. And I mean, I think it's maybe worth discussing. Like, I do think that I'm concerned that that we might oversteer <laughs> from, mm-hmm. you know, not having great relationships to, you know, it could be oversteered a little bit to like now being friends only and not parents mm-hmm. of our children. And so I think that that is a, a, a line of caution that I look at and, you know, hope that others look at too. I think it's really important to be, uh, you know, close to your child, but it's different than being friends with your child. Yeah. You know, we still have to be parents. We still have to be the role model. Our, our driving motivation can't be being liked. We can't have our kids meeting our emotional needs. Mm -hmm. We can enjoy them. We can love them. We can just have the most fun with them. That's awesome. But I, I think that there is a, a toxic level of closeness to kids. Maybe that's not the right term, but just where they're, I see parents that are just like slave to their kids' schedules mm-hmm. and their kids' emotions. And it's like, wait a minute, like, who's the parent here? And what are you doing to model for them? Are you setting them up for success? Because ultimately, like, that's what we're doing. We're, we're raising <laughs> kids that are going to become adults and they've got to one day be parents. And so we've got to be teaching them these, these things. And that's hard. That's hard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not easy and it doesn't always feel good. Yeah. No, I, I love that you're, you're saying that I, I have seen way too many times that, and, and maybe, maybe it's because I'm biased in one direction or another, but to me, it feels like I see that more in uh, single parent households with the mom. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom being there, like they, it, it's, uh, I think emotional, like they, they want to do everything they can to support their child and prevent them from being hurt further as a single parent household. And then like, that makes it very difficult to bring in the discipline and bring in the, like, no, I, I'm still the parent and they just want to be able to help their kid. But I mean, I still see it with, with dads too, that are just like, Hey, I want to, especially with their sons, like, I want to be the cool, the cool dad or do something. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like you right. still got to be the dad. Like they've, there still has to be structure. Like, I mean, I love going out and like right now, it's, boy, it is really downpouring right now. It's downpouring outside. <laughs> I love to be able to run out in the rain with my son and have a great time. And the boys running around doing silly things and jumping in the pool while it's downpouring and, uh, you know, climb, climbing trees together. And like, as long as my back is capable of doing it, but, you know, but there still has to be a point where I say, son, you're done. Like we need to fix this issue and, you know, and be a parent. Um, uh, I think that the, the oversteer, I'd, I'd love, you know, you said we can go, go dig down that. So I'd, I'd like to actually, um, can you, can you show some examples, like maybe whether it's in you or some that you've seen on the, like the actual oversteering? Cause I, I do, I, I know that I've seen it myself and I'd love to kind of, um, see where we might be, um, where, where the line might be getting crossed and make sure that we're not going down that ourselves. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I told you before this, I love my kids to even be able to come in while I'm having a podcast, right. And be able to say hi to people. Okay. Well, I mean, is that, is that, I'm not trying to say that is too lax, but am I being too lax in some of these things that I'm just like letting my kids have too much of the freedom and too much like, Hey, no, we're like, we're best buddies here at the house, you know? Um, so it's something for me to think about. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I, yeah, certainly don't think that that's necessarily, um, an example, but I think yeah. that some that come to mind just offhand, uh, would be, 
just where there's there's like parents that watch their kids be disrespectful mm. to another kid, whether it's a sibling or whether it's a friend or someone like that, uh, and don't give correction or see them be disrespectful to an adult and don't give correction because they just they don't want to make their kid mad or don't want to have them throw a fit. And it becomes more about the parent's comfort than what's ultimately best for the child, which is getting that feedback, getting that important correction so that they know what behaviors are acceptable. And we're not just talking toddlers either. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> this can be teenagers or beyond, um, you know, other kind of more egregious examples are just, I was talking with one of my team members and he was telling me about that. Uh, he just had a, his son graduated high school and he said there was plenty of graduation parties that he went to for his kids as friends where they, the students were openly drinking at the graduation party, 17, 18 years mm-hmm. old. And the parents were like totally fine with it. You know, and I just feel like that's another example of it's just like, whoa, like, what are you? Why are you not willing to to be a parent? Why are you not willing to to have appropriate boundaries? Like, yeah, uh, you know, morals or ethics aside, and those may vary from one family to another, but you know, just <laughs> legally and safety mm-hmm. wise. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit of an extreme example, perhaps, but. Um, you see some like nuggets of that, even when kids are younger with just permissive behavior and not wanting to correct just because it's hard, you know, just because it's going to cause the child to, to, to throw a fit, or you're going to have to deal with something that you don't have to deal with. I mean, we've all been Mm -hmm. there and you know, there it's a, it's a fork in the road where it's like, well, I'm either going to set what I have the saying that what you allow, you encourage. So I'm either Mm -hmm. going to encourage this behavior in the future by not correcting it, or I'm going to take this hard action now to prevent more of these situations down the road and give correction, discipline, feedback, and, and have a discussion as a parent. I I think, you know, you, you mentioned that the the drinking was probably more egregious one, but I think that uh, to your point right now, it, if you don't nip it in the bud at the beginning, it turns into the egregious one, you know, and there was um, one guy, Anthony Graff that I was, um, I think his episode just recently um, got released or it's going to be soon. Um, But uh, he was talking about like when you have, um, I forgot the age groups that he had, but basically there's like a, you know, instilling discipline years and then like, you know, the, the growth years, like the, the individual growth years being later on. And if you're trying to do the instilling discipline at that 14 year old range where they're supposed to be learning into individual growth, right? you probably missed the boat on some of that because now you're ruining your ability to be able to have that friendship with your kids later on at 20 years old, because now they're remembering you just being, you know, a jerk and not letting him do it. Like, because you failed to instill the discipline earlier. Um, and to me, I, I, I try to remember that as like, I mean, even yesterday as an example, um, uh, a minor example, but the kids were, we were getting ready to deep fry some, uh, churros in the, in the house, um, which, uh, it was a bad idea. I got some bad burns on my arm, by the Ooh. way. But, <laughs> but uh, so we're deep frying some churros, and the boys were horse playing in front of the thing. And that was one of those where, you know, I, I love horse playing with my boys. Like, I think that tossing them around the house and throw, I mean, it just, 
<laughs> lights my life up. Like it's so much fun. Um, and you can see it light theirs up, but there has to be a point where I go, no, this is not the time. Like we're standing in front of like boiling grease, like or boiling mm-hmm. oil, you know, and like quickly I jumped on them and both of them were like, whoa, like they, you know, snapped up quick. They knew that the, like daddy was serious. It's time to go. Um, and uh and then sure enough my exact example like happened like my the oil blew up all over my arm literally like 10 minutes after i talked to him about it and i was like this is why we don't horseplay in front of these things like it would this was just pure accident we put some stuff in and it boiled over but uh or it flew out but um uh but if you don't nip it in the bud like all of a sudden they're you know it, having massive drunk fests at the house while you're standing there going, how did we get to this point? You know? Um, and again, ethics and morals aside, I mean, if that's something that you want to do with your kids, it is what it is. I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to judge that, but, um, but man, oh man, like it, it is very important to get that in early, I think. Um, and maybe that's the military yeah. guy I'd be talking to. I don't know. Yeah. Really good point. And I, I have seen that same, um, like kind of chart with the different ages and stuff. And I, I, that's a great, reference is because yeah if you you get to things too late in the process the ship's kind of already sailed and it's already Mm -hmm. going in a direction and it's going to be really hard to turn that ship the other part of that is and i've I've read this and i'm probably not going to articulate as well as the whatever book i read that that talked about this but you know i think that it's it's the same with the relationship so we're talking Mm -hmm. about like the discipline and then the relationship both of those have to be instilled like early on in in the child's upbringing as early as possible and ideally you know that starts at birth and and is continuous and goes right through the teen years and so when you're giving the discipline or giving the correction and keeping them on on a path uh, to understand proper morals and proper boundaries and those sorts of things, like it becomes very, not very easy, but easier uh, mm-hmm. through those teen years. Similarly with the relationship, you've got to have the relationship to be able to give the correction. And that's yeah. what helps build the trust. And similarly, like you can't start trying to build that relationship. It's going to be much more difficult if that doesn't start until the teen years or the mm-hmm. young adult years because now again they're already on a path whereas when you build that relationship early on it it just really primes the pump for the important conversations and discussions and the trust that's already built when those teen years come along and i'm really starting to feel this because my son just started seventh grade yesterday and you know i feel like we're right on the precipice of more and more of these just tough friend mm-hmm. situations and girlfriends and and um just all of those school things that you know think back to your teen years and and today it's oh, yeah. so much more challenging um i want to be have that trusting relationship with my son and i've been very intentional with trying to build that for for him to be for us to be in a place where when he encounters a, a sticky situation or a tough situation or he's had a tough day, you know, somebody said something or, you know, he got you know dumped by a girlfriend, like I'm going to be there to, to be able to talk with him about it. And I know there'll be a day will come that he might be more likely to go talk with a friend about that. But I hope that still uh, somewhere in that process, he comes to old dad and we're able to to talk about it and I'm going to be able to keep sharing wisdom with him and, and 
have been doing that for some time now. And so I hope that, that it will be very natural for that to happen when yeah. that time comes. And I think that speaks to the, the fact that you're, you know, you were saying that you wish that you had some more of those conversations with your dad. Um, so the fact that you're, you're setting that up now, you mentioned you are intentional about having those, um, having that, that opportunity for those conversations open. Can you talk me through some of that intentionality and what that's been looking like over the last, you know, the 12, 13 years? Yeah. So especially for us, it's always been um, a bedtime routine. So mm-hmm. that is like started when my kids were very young. And I mean, that's every night um, I tuck them into bed. I mean, we're talking, you know, I don't travel a lot for my job. I mean, I go to go abundance events and a handful mm-hmm. of, you know, conferences and things like that. And But, um, you know, we're talking 350 some days a year anyway. You know, I, I kneel beside their bed before we uh, go to bed. And I mean, we just talk for a while. And now less so, again, my kids are uh, fifth and seventh grade. And so, but up until honestly, just uh, maybe a year or two ago, I mean, we would sit in bed and like read almost mm-hmm. every night for 15 or 20 minutes. And then we would sit and talk and that's where we started, especially as, as my son got into upper elementary and middle school, we would have some more of these just opportunities to just ask, you know, about his friends and ask how he's feeling about school. And if he seems a little bit off, you know, what's going on and trying to open up and get him to ask questions and feel comfortable having those conversations. And then my wife does the same with my daughter. And then we switch. And, nice. uh, and so I, I have always read with my son, not so much with my daughter, my, you know, it was my wife would, and then we would switch, but we still have a time to talk. And that's mm-hmm. oftentimes when we, when we would connect. And so I think that that's been a long time of trying to build that space for connection and discussion, especially of like more sensitive issues. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, just about a year ago, I wish we would have started a long time ago, but about a year ago, we started doing um, like family board meetings, you know, so if you're yep. familiar with that concept from yep. the book, um, but just one-on-one dates basically with each of our kids. And that was something that I never did with, with my parents. And, you know, again, up until recently, I, we didn't do with our kids. We spent a lot of family time together but it would often be the four of us. And so it's just been really amazing. Like when I'm just one-on-one with my son, one-on-one with mm-hmm. my daughter, the the depth of conversation and the difference in connection than if there's three or four of us riding in a car. And even if we're talking or you know, we eat dinner uh, every night together, pretty much uh, with some exceptions, but you know, it's been something that's been another like very sacred family ritual. and. Even there, I mean, we try to incorporate some conversation about uh, faith or uh, our growing up or different things like that. And uh, but even there, it's it's not even the same level of connection as that one on one. So uh, if if somebody listening is is not doing that, man, I just can't recommend that enough. It doesn't have to be super structured, just that quality one on one time. Go hang out a little bit, have dinner, do it, you know, go go put putting or go. Um, paint pottery or make a candle or throw a baseball or whatever, like just do something and hang out. And it's, it's really cool. Yeah. I, 
I have failed miserably. I've put that on the calendar three, four times, and I failed miserably at actually well, I did accomplishing for a long it. Time you know, too, so it makes you feel better. Uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. But I appreciate <laughs> you trying. That's. <laughs> but it is to me. It's like I, I try to take advantage of the. So my son, my oldest, likes to golf. My my middle likes to golf as well. So both of the boys like to golf. But the four year old doesn't like to competitive golf at all right now my eight-year-old does so i'm his caddy oftentimes so i take those four hours to just hey it's you and me buddy like let's just have a conversation like obviously we're talking mostly about golf but things come up and and just being open and have a conversation and waiting for your next shot and um like it's 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 solid but i think that the other night my son um asked me uh he was getting ready for bed and you know we don't have as intentional of a time sitting down before bed, but we um, we definitely have conversations before they go to sleep and, you know, talk them in every night that I'm home. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, but he asked me, he says, daddy, I don't, I don't, I don't really know if I should even be asking this question. And like, and that, that always hurts me because I want to make sure that <laughs> he never, ever, ever feels like he shouldn't be asking a question, right. you know? Um, but when it came down to it, he was like, how do I, how do I actually believe in God? Like, Sometimes it's really hard to believe in God, and sometimes it's really easy. And I said, "Well, what what makes it easy? What makes it hard?" He's like, "Well, I mean, I don't know. I look outside and think, how like how is all of this created if there isn't a God? Like this doesn't make any sense." He's like, and then I just think, "Well, how is there just this person that I don't know that uh, just did all this?" And I was like, "But this is a great conversation to have, you know." And I want yeah. you to have all these questions. And so we, I, they were already in bed. I was already out the door. And then there was one, you know, one last, hey, I need to go potty. So I went back in and the four-year-old goes potty. And then this question came out and I was like, yes. <laughs> and we spent another 15 minutes just sitting there talking and, you know, being open to that conversation, despite the fact yeah. that I was exhausted and wanted to go to sleep and had to wake up at 430 in the morning. And I was like, no, let's do this. Like, let's have these conversations. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned faith and that's what my, you know, my, my popped in my brain is my son asking me about God. And I was like, this is great. Like, I really hope that I can keep that alive for ever you know like mm. i don't want it to like i just there, there's always a fear in the back of my brain that somehow i'm going to screw something up and they're not going to want to ask me questions anymore or we're not going to you know i'm not going to be as inviting for this type of thing later on but man it's uh i don't know if it's an irrational fear or a or a very rational fear but it's it's there you know <laughs> yeah yeah i get that i get that yeah. i don't know for sure either but i'm gonna try to keep the door open for those and yep. just and I've said very intentionally too to to my son and my daughter, we, uh, I I want you to know that you can always ask me anything, yeah. and I won't freak out. That's like a commitment that I've made to you. I've I've heard this a while back. I think it was Andy Stanley uh, talked about it. His his thing is his rule that his wife and him had were you know, they made that promise to their kids that they wouldn't freak out. And mm-hmm. so I extended that same uh, kind of promise and invitation to my kids just to say, listen, I, I don't want you, to, you know, if you hear something at school, if you see something like I don't I don't want you to go Googling it. I don't want you to like feel like you can't ask it. I don't want you to feel embarrassed or stupid. I want you to be able to ask mm-hmm. your mom or I because we are always on your side and we we want to talk through stuff with you and and we're gonna give it to you straight so you you Mm -hmm. ask and we'll answer awesome yeah i think that it's um unbelievably important to be able to to leave that avenue open and i never felt um 
like I had that like avenue perfectly open for me. I never felt like I could ask those questions or, or, you know, go through an uncomfortable conversation. So, um, uh, hopefully I can leave that door open for the kids, but, um, let's go, uh, over to your, your businesses for a minute, just so I can kind of, we can wrap back into that. So you start off in pharmacy. Um, well, I, let me take that back. You do start off in landscaping. You start, right. you know, uh, running that early on in life. Um, what led to the landscaping side of the house at a younger age? So my, and I'll, I'll say this is, this has multifold, um, partly very selfish because my nephew just got his first job. I've got a, um, 16 year old niece and nephew that are, they're twins. Um, um, and then I've got a, you know, a couple other nieces and nephews, but this particular one, he just got his first job, 16 years old, got his permit, um, got his first nice. job at McDonald's. And he keeps asking me a lot of questions about businesses and things that I do and um, investing and all that type of stuff. So I'm trying to get on a call with him to convince him to do something. Not that McDonald's is going to be a bad job for him. I think it's going to teach him a lot of, uh, you know, if nothing else, he can learn a lot of systems and understanding how these things work and learn learn the processes involved with it. Um, uh, But I I also want to encourage him to think about things like landscaping. uh, That's one of the ones that I wanted to say, hey, like, I'll even pay for your riding lawnmower and you can go road to road and we could split the profits and you until I'm paid off and then et cetera, et cetera. Right. But, um, what got you into landscaping? How did you get started into that? Um, and then, uh, and obviously still have been continuing it for, uh, you know, X amount of years. So, uh, what, what led you to, to go down that path? I honestly, I guess looking back, I, I credit some of that to my dad. Uh, he really loved, the outdoors. Again, his dad was a farmer. He didn't take that path, but he definitely had uh, an appreciation for nature, found a lot of peace in nature. We would go on hikes and he knew like all the trees. He would always like point out all the trees. And um, we had this thing when I was younger uh, that my, I think my mom kind of drove it, but uh, <laughs> my parents, we moved every like couple of years. We, and we always stayed like around the same town, but we moved and every time we would move into a new house, my dad wasn't like super handy. So he wasn't doing like a lot of the home improvements, but he would always re re landscape the the house and I would always help him. And so I just came to enjoy that. And when I was old enough, I, he taught me to mow the yard. And so I, I was doing some of that. And then, so when I was in, junior high i had a great great aunt and uncle they were in like their 80s or 90s and they needed their yard mode and so i was uh voluntold that i would go over and do that and so mm-hmm. uh i did and the first time i did it it took me two and a half hours to mow the yard i used their mower two and a half hours and it was a riding mower and i just loved it i was whatever 12 13 years old and Loved that roar of the mower, feeling the the power of the engine and the smell of the fresh cut grass. And I was like, man, this is a good deal. And when I was done, they gave me five bucks for <laughs> two and a half hours worth of work. And so I was like, do you need me to come back next week? And they said, man, didn't do too bad. Yeah, why don't you do that? So I did it uh, week after week. And then after... That summer, I had saved up maybe a couple hundred dollars or something, and so I I was I was a saver. I was instilled by my parents, so I I saved up. And the next spring, I found a I mowed for them again, but then I also went out and I found a a used lawnmower at a garage sale, and I bought it. And so then I started mowing for some other people. 
who didn't have a mower that I could use. And so I was charging, you know, 10 or 12 bucks for those jobs. And then that started to compound and just kind of kept buying a little more equipment and a little more equipment and um, growing it organically over time. Nice. That's a, yeah. I mean, that's uh, uh, <laughs> that always seems to be, it sounds so simple in my brain, how those work. I mean, when I was younger, I, I, I did a lot of shoveling of snow. It was, you know, uh, when I was in high school, I was in upstate New York. So we got lots of snow. So right. I would just walk around shoveling people's snow. Um, uh, but I never, I never put the pieces in place to like make it a, a, a consistent thing. Hey, every time it snows, I'll be out. So how did you get to the point of like, hey, I've, I've got three yards that needed to go to, hey, I'm going to make this a, a business. I'm going to keep coming back to, to do this. What, you know, uh, did somebody walk you through that or is it just kind of in, intuitive for you to make that happen? Yeah, I think once I had done a few like just one-off jobs, kind of like what you're talking and just like got paid, uh, you know, I was like, I'd like to do more of this. And mm-hmm. it seemed like you could do it every week. And so I need to get some of that. And so I actually had a friend that was mowing a couple of lawns for a property manager and he didn't want to do it anymore. He was turning 16. He was getting a car and he was going to go get, you know, a real job. And I was like 14 or 15. And so I was like, well, I'll I'll take them over. So he was like, Hey, if you want to do them, then you just take them over and you can, you can bill them and you can get paid. They want to mow once a week. And so I just started mowing them and my parents would take me around. They would like drop me off. Some of them were like close. So like Mm -hmm. they would drop me off at one and then be like, Hey, see you in two hours. And Mm -hmm. I would just finish mowing and, and string trimming and have my gas can. And I would just pile it all on top of the mower. And then I'd walk down to the next place and do that one and then do another one. And then sit there if my parents weren't there and when they'd come and pick me up and I'd put the mower in the back of ye old minivan and they would take me home, bring me back the next week. So that was like for the first couple of years, like how it went. So I'm, I'm grateful for them for helping along that way. I yeah. we didn't live in town, so I couldn't have like walked to these places or, or gotten to them by myself. And then I bought my first vehicle before I turned 16 and had a trailer and a little bit nicer mower uh, at that point. And then when I turned 16, I was off to the races. So I wasn't limited by their schedule or the mm-hmm. geography of only mowing things on the same street. So I started picking up more and more and just kind of growing it from there. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, just having the, the, the parents being able to drop you off and doing that is, is one thing, but yeah, I, when you mentioned your, uh, your, your friend that's that, let you take over his, his right. route. Basically, it was one of those like, man, if only he knew that that was a business that he could actually sell, as opposed to right. just handing over, you know. Um, and that's something you know. I, I don't know how old he was or you were at that point, but um, but I mean, yeah, that's one of those like a true business that hey, I've got a a book of business now that I can sell somebody to keep this route going. And um, that's one thing I'm trying to. Um, we just started homeschooling this year, and and one of our homeschool projects is going to be some entrepreneurship stuff. Um, he's going yeah, to be building out his, uh, um, it's been something I've been wanting to do for like six, eight months. I've been talking about doing this and it's still on my to-do list, like to review some documents for this. And it has been on my to-do list for literally like eight months, six months. Um, he has set up, um, a, um, uh, vending machine route. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and it can be making money and then we can actually sell the business and do the thing. So now this is going to be part of part of his math, part of his entrepreneurship, part of his, his uh, um, social sciences to be able to, to learn all of this stuff and how to build a little business. So, um, and I told him that this, this is going to be on the docket for this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, so we did uh, some of that as well. And it was a really fun learning experience. So yeah. in, uh, I think it was 2019, the first year my son did, we uh, planted like a sweet corn patch. And okay. it was kind of my son's project. And so he was responsible for sort of overseeing it. But it was a bit of a family project overall. But uh, he, uh, with some help from his sister, picked picked all the corn when it came due. And mm-hmm. then he sold it. And that business was called Emerson's Ears, his uh, <laughs> sweet, sweet corn patch. And so he would, uh, like, record a little commercial. Uh, inviting people to purchase and he said what the price was and then he had different price if you just bought it as is or then he would also husk it for you and sell it you know ready to eat and uh so he made that commercial we posted on facebook and then we kind of tallied the orders he would get the names my wife would write them down and he and olivia would uh bag it all up put the person's name on it and then there'd be kind of a pickup location and it was a bit of a system so then uh we had a bad year or so in there. And then uh, last year we had a decent year again and he actually uh, wanted to have a website. And so mm-hmm. he went on GoDaddy or wherever and purchased Emerson's ears.com. And um, he was like asking me like how to build a website. I said, son, I, I, I don't know if you're talking to the <laughs> Go to Fiverr, like, have somebody build yeah, it. For yeah. It's <laughs> like, I, I know the general process, but like in terms of like pointing and clicking and making it look good, like it would look, I'm sure really lame if I did it. So he just went on and like, uh, watched some tutorials on website building on GoDaddy. And like a few hours later, he came down and he said, dad, I got a website built. You want to see it? And I was like, just shocked. Um, yeah. So, so it was great. Yeah. So then last year he took, um, he linked it to a, like a Google form that he had created. And so he took his own orders. It would send him an email and then he would reply to their email and say when the order would be picked and ready. And then that was the plan again this year, but we had some unfortunate events with some, uh, geese of all things getting into Ugh. the sweet corn and, and eating it all before it, like, uh, the actual plants, not the ears, but mm-hmm. the plants before they, got grown up so we didn't get a harvest this year but it was a it was a great learning experience he learned tons of about entrepreneurship through that and then my daughter in 2020 um did you know when masks were like such a thing she did this uh, she wanted to tie-dye some she wanted some before you know every store had those like very mm-hmm. early on she was like i want to like tie-dye some and like make them look cool so she like tie-dyed these masks and then we were having at the time at one of our venues uh, a, a series of like handmade markets, like craft show type things. And mm-hmm. so she like got a booth at the craft show and she sat there and she sold them and she would make change. And I mean, she was only eight years old uh, at that yeah. time. And so that was a great experience. And then as, as you know, we kind of mentioned, they've also worked in our businesses as well, but that's an even different experience than kind of yeah. having their own thing. And, and developing a product and talking about what the price would be and understanding like profit and tallying up their profits and splitting and paying back their loan from mom and dad for the raw Mm -hmm. materials and 
So it's, you know, it's led to some really fun conversations, uh, just like what you were talking about that you want to do. It's, it really yeah. is a great learning experience. That's phenomenal. I was actually going to ask if you were getting your son into lawn mowing and then here you go and he's already doing some stuff. Your daughter's been doing stuff for a couple. That's, that's awesome. Um, so did you, did you help him like build business plans and stuff like that? Or was it more just conversational and you know, piece by piece as it goes? Yeah, it was a little just more like conversational. You know, I, yeah. I wanted them to kind of drive it. I didn't want to over overcook mm-hmm. it, uh, especially, you know, at eight and nine years old, you know, yeah. if, if, if my son now at almost 13 wanted to do something, I, I think he would be ready for that level of conversation. But, um, but yeah, it was just, they, they kind of had an idea and I said, okay, you know, we talked about, well, what do you want to price them at? Here's what you, what your costs are going to be. And then you've got to account for some, some of your own labor and you need to make some money on the work that you're putting into it and then make what's called a, gross profit margin and you know mm-hmm. so we talked about all that so yeah it was it was a lot yeah of fun. that's awesome yeah like I, I i looked at the um vending machines and i was like man it's like what a perfect supply and demand type of conversation that you can have and um literally create a business and be able to sell it and um uh i would so i'm, I'm invested in a coffee company and i think to myself like man like the weather can completely ruin mm. your entire profit for a year like almost like a like farming is just a extremely volatile type of environment but um is that something that i would have never thought geese right but i'm thinking through uh the conversations like what did the conversations go like when when the whole crop was lost with the volatility of you know in this case it was geese instead of weather but um you know you had it sounds like a couple years um throughout those last four that have kind of had some issues, but what kind of, how did you guys go about those conversations and what, what was your, your son's plan and your plan to kind of work through those for the future years? Yeah. Um, we, we haven't talked too much about contingency going forward when we need to, I think he's kind of, you know, was bummed and, you know, it's sort of yeah. lost interest and it's, it is this like delicate balance of, Hey bud, <laughs> see there's, that's a little Adam, I told right? You. Yep, this is little Adam. Okay. All right. He's talking about his son's business right now. Um, his son has a business called Emerson's Ears, where he grows ears of corn and sells it to people. You want to hear about it? Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's this like delicate balance of like sometimes uh, these are like as much on the parents as they are on the kids just because they're yeah. limited as to what they can really do. I mean, we talked about the idea of like, well, you've got distribution channels in place, son, that there's mm-hmm. people that want to buy from you. And so, you know, if you're selling retail, like you could partner with someone who would sell to you wholesale and then you could still make a margin. And, yep. you know, I think he at least kind of understood what I was saying and getting the idea. But then he was also like, well, okay, like, who's that going to be? And like, how are we going to get a hold of them? And how are we going to get the corn from here there to here? And, I was like, yeah, that, that is a lot of logistics that fall on your parents' shoulders. <laughs> so we, we did not pursue yeah. that, but we at least kind of talked about like but what some of those contingencies You had the class. So. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, um, that's one thing I talked to, to Adam about with the um, vending machine thing. It was like, all right, well, like there's going to be a difference between going to Seven uh, Eleven to buy Doritos versus Walmart to buy Doritos versus Sam's club to buy Doritos. And like the, you know, that, that goes to like the, the wholesale and economies being, you know, of scale what, what part of the economies right. of scale. Like when you buy, you know, 300 bags of, of Doritos, it comes <laughs> in a lot cheaper than when you go to go to Seven Eleven and buy it for $4, you know? Um, 
uh, and then I get to charge four dollars for it out of my machine, and I only paid a dollar a dollar five for it. You know, so um, uh, to me, like it, it's so much life lessons that you can build into different business stuff. Even if they never, even if Adam or or Emerson never decide to actually go into business the ability to logically think about those types of things and understand supply and demand, even when you go to buy something for yourself or your house, like just knowing that stuff to me is invaluable. I mean, I never had any experience. And I, if you would have asked me even, you know, 10 years ago that I would be, you know, running businesses and, you know, talking to my son about building, you know, routes and all this stuff, I would, there would have been no way I'd have ever thought that would be happening, um, especially given where I came from. But, but I think that the, the exposure to that is, um, it's phenomenal. Where are you going? Give me my headphone back, you little punk. <laughs> you little punk. So now he's going to try to listen in on the whole conversation over there. But um, I think that it's a. Uh, um, I don't know. To me, it's invaluable, and maybe it's just because of how excited I am now about businesses and what I do that that it makes sense to me. But you know, especially as homeschooling, like the amount of math I could teach doing this, the amount of you know education he's going to be able to get in the hours that I have with him at home. And right. not to mention, I get to build some businesses and get some profit myself too. Don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> but man, it's, it's awesome. Um, what other businesses are your kids involved in? I, not, not necessarily in, in your, your businesses yet. I'm going to ask that in a second, but are there any other businesses that they've been talking about wanting to build or, um, or do, or are these mainly, mainly what they've been doing? Yeah, that's been, that's been kind of the extent of it. I mean, beyond that, okay. they're, um, just you know working some with us in our like family businesses and we are talking more my wife and I about like how can we now that they are getting older and like they understand the basics how can mm-hmm. we expose them to some of the stuff kind of behind the curtain you know not just necessarily like working on the retail side of things but even understanding like going over a P&L with them mm-hmm. and explaining Again, a little more in depth, the idea of different income streams, expenses, margins, profits, some of that terminology that, shoot, I mean, when I started even, like, I didn't understand that stuff. I just mm-hmm. knew that it, you know, took me a little bit of time and I I made 15 bucks a week, you know, like mowing this lawn. And it's only been, I've never taken a business class in my life. And so it's really been just reading books and listening and going to conferences and learning about working with consultants and accountants and all that as well. But learning like how to do business and what all these different terms mean. And I couldn't imagine if I would have had a head start, like actually understanding this stuff from a mm-hmm. young age and intuitively being able to look at an opportunity and determine if it's going to be profitable and, and where the opportunities lie and if there's value add and different things like that. Yeah. That makes sense. So what did you and your wife come to then on having those conversations? Have you guys decided how you're going to have the conversations or what you're going to, um, you know, how you're going to include them in that? Yeah, not, not anything like specifically, we haven't like outlined a, a curriculum or anything like that, but just to say like, Hey, they're getting a little older. And I think that as those opportunities arise, for example, if I have, um, a, if I'm closing on a new building or if I'm Mm -hmm. going to meet with my accountant or if I'm going to meet with a banker to take one of the kids along and just Mm -hmm. say, Hey, why don't you, why don't you watch this process and just see what it's all about? Cause until I was here, like 
as a big kid, uh, I didn't know what any of this stuff meant or yeah. what you did or what you're supposed to do. I just learned by showing up and figuring it out as I went. Yeah. Yeah. I recently took, took Adam and well, the whole family up to, we've got an assisted living facility that, that we invested in. And, um, so we brought them up there to kind of show them how, how this process works and what, what kind of rehabs we're doing and what kind of things we're looking at. And, um, because to me, I mean, I just, just that minor exposure to me is, is phenomenal and having those conversations, but, um, yeah, I, I want to, uh, I don't know. Part of the reason I was asking is because I'd, I'd love to steal your ideas. If you had an idea on how you were going to expose them to those types of, uh, um, you know, le- those types of education. And I'm wondering, like, I could even make some of those vocabulary words for this year. Like, what is gross profit margin? <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's your vocabulary. This is our entrepreneur class, you know. Um, but, uh, um, but I mean, I, I don't know if I'll be building a curriculum or anything, but, you know, I, I, I'm I'm getting ready to start. Um, I'm I've been working on being more intentional with my calendar. I'm going to have to be with the homeschooling, right? Because there's certain hours that I'm just, just I'm going to put in a couple hours in the morning, make sure that it's getting done a couple hours throughout the day as as needed. Uh, but um, uh, being more intentional, I think, with my business calendar is going to help me even more with them as well because I want to be able to bring them in and say, "Hey, I'm going over the PNL today, right? Come on in. Mm-hmm. Let's learn what a PNL is. Let's learn how the like." You ask me whatever questions. You can just watch what daddy does and just ask me questions. I'm not going to sit here and make a class out of it, but you just like, you get to see it. And if they yeah. have questions, then I'll talk to you about it, you know? Um, but, uh, okay. So anyways, the, the businesses that you have now, um, uh, how much involvement have they had in your, your family businesses and what, what, what has that looked like thus far with the kids? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, going back, like when they were real little, uh, they would, they got a little exposure to the landscaping business, like occasionally, especially my son, uh, I would take him into the office from time to time. He would, you know, maybe sit in a meeting or, uh, just hang out with me for a, a half a day or something like that. My wife had something going on. Uh, they have both ridden around with me plowing snow. And so they would get to see what that process looks like or they would get to uh shovel sidewalks while i plowed or whatever and so Mm -hmm. kind of allowing them to see a little bit of what that takes and the hard work that our team members put in and really just involving them in conversations like that to say hey you know that like tonight uh we're gonna have like 60 people out working all night and they're not going to go home and get to see their families. And like, that's what pays our bills. And so we want to make sure that when we see those individuals, like we thank them and we're, we're respectful to them. And uh, just having some of those conversations to understand that, like, as a business owner, as a leader, like we are not, we're not over our people. We are under our people. We are, we are mm-hmm. there to serve and trying to, to instill that level of understanding about leadership and what it takes to have team members and take care of them and see them as people and, and all of that. So that's definitely been something that has, we've tried to kind of instill from a young age. And then um, more recently, the last three or four years, again, my wife's been involved in running the, the ice cream sandwich shop and then opening her toy store. And my kids have been really involved with those. And so they would work there quite a bit. And we, uh, during COVID in particular, we had just opened an event venue 
which was terrible timing. And that's a, that's a whole story. But uh, long story short, we weren't able to have weddings and corporate events as we planned. And so this wedding venue was like two doors down from our ice cream shop. And so basically we were running it as a pop-up restaurant. We couldn't have events there, but we had plenty of space so we could space people out. We'd have live music. We'd have the garage doors up and uh, have people at tables. And then um, my my wife and kids and uh, some of our team would take the orders and everything and then take them down to the ice cream shop because the event venue doesn't have a kitchen. And they would make all the food there. And then my kids mm-hmm. were like the food runners. They would yes. come and they would pass out the food at the different tables. And, um, they made some tips and so they were like super jazzed about that and they would, uh, work, um, then just day to day or work big events. My, my daughters ran the cash register since she was eight or nine years old, can count back change. We taught them how to do that. There's lots of adults that can't do that. <laughs> uh, so the people were always impressed and you know, she would get tips for doing that and, I've always said that I believe that everyone should have to work retail or food service sometime mm-hmm. in their life, just because it gives you such an appreciation for the different types of people, how difficult it can be to, to please people, um, how to greet people, how to carry on conversation, how to, to just work with the public. And so my kids have gotten that from a young age. So it's been lots of fun to, to see them do that. So they've, they've, They've worked in them. They've stacked boxes. They've taken out trash. They've wiped tables, swept floors, uh, all that sort of thing. And so it's been uh, really just kind of a part of their growing up. Hmm. And they've they've enjoyed it. And I think to some extent they, they haven't known a lot different. But they know that they're a little bit different and that not everybody has that experience. But yeah, no kidding. Um, it's, it's definitely given them some great, great at-bats. Do you, uh, do you get them like, you know, um, IRAs or anything like that? Do you have any of that set up for them already or have had any of those conversations with them? Not necessarily. The only thing is that we, uh, opened, uh, some savings account, a savings account for each of them where when they've done these little businesses, they've been able to keep a percentage of the profits for themselves to buy, Mm -hmm trinkets or PlayStation games or whatever. And then the rest got put in the savings account to be used for another investment opportunity mm-hmm. in the future. So uh, they nice. still have those. And, and that's the intent of those is to, to, to go and invest in, in something that way. So I've, I've thought even about, um, obviously this is going to be more than what the money they have, but kind of like uh, partnering with with my son or or even just allowing him to be part of like a real estate deal, like a small single mm-hmm. family or duplex or something to say, hey, let's like let's kind of like do this together from the standpoint that we're going to to find it. We're going to walk through it. We're going to go through the whole process of, of financing and like kind of doing the underwriting and developing a rehab budget and then overseeing the rehab and some of that. So we haven't done that quite as in depth, but they have been through a lot of our projects as they've went through mm-hmm. the process. They've seen them before we've done any renovations during, uh, they've went on lots of trips to 
to Lowe's and the lumber yard and stuff like that and uh, helped pick out fixtures and push carts of cabinets and stuff like that. So they've just kind of always been in in and around what we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that the inclusion is... Like, let's take the education part aside, like just spending that time and seeing how how mom and dad earn a living and the work that it takes. And um, and you're you're building that relationship we were talking about earlier while also instilling discipline sure. without being a disciplinarian. So that's I mean, I think it's such a multi multifold um, environment that you've created to to allow that. Um, uh, so one thing I, I wanted to jump down as well when we're when I was reading over your. Um, uh, your bio in the sheet you had talked about wanting to hit uh i think it was 30 different baseball fields uh, is that what it is all third is there 30 of them yeah major league yep, baseball 30 fields? Base, yeah. yep major league baseball parks yep and you were talking about at the end of the summer i think you said it was going to be you already you're going to have two-thirds of them already knocked out um and you want to do this by the time emerson's 18 so how did that kind of get started and what what does that look like to accomplish that task yeah, we've always uh, liked baseball. I grew up playing baseball when my wife and I got married. She wasn't like super into baseball, but she actually developed uh, a real love for it. And so we would go to games and stuff before we had kids. And then when we had kids, we continued going. And then my, my son started playing baseball. And um, so we it was just kind of like something we enjoyed doing. And I, I was at a I was at a conference. I actually don't even remember what it was specifically, but it was like kind of one of those, like just sit and dream of like what you want for yourself, Mm -hmm. for your family. And somewhere I just had this idea that it would be really fun to like set a, a a big goal like that to go to all the major league baseball parks. I know people that went to several and, and, you know, talked about the different ones and, seemed like, yeah, I, I want to do that. That would be really great. So at the time, my son was eight. eight and uh, so it was another one of those moments where it's like, man, 10 years, he's going to be grown up and mm-hmm. leaving the house, most likely. And so we've got 10 years to do this. So if we want to do this goal, there's 30, uh, 10 years. So that's three a year. And I, I think that we could achieve that. So I talked to my wife about it. She loved the idea. And so I found on online a, a big map that you could buy. It has all of the different ballparks and where they're at on in mm-hmm. the United States. And then there's little red pins that you put in for each one that you do. And we got it personalized to say the Henry Family Baseball Park nice. Quest. And we presented that to the kids and told them that, our goal was to go to all 30 and to see the country along the way. And so we started that um, five years ago, 2018, and uh, got a couple of years in. We lost a year to COVID there, of course, mm-hmm. when there was no baseball. Um, and so, yeah, as of uh, a week or two ago, we went to our 21st stadium. Jeez. And so we just have nine left, but it's been it's been a really fun experience. It's really been what sort of dri- has driven where we're going on different mm-hmm. trips and vacations. And so it's been a really great way to see the country. There's a lot of towns that we may not have went to had we not been going there for baseball. And so it's it's been great. We always try to also see the various sites in and around the cities 
and usually try to do something, some other things. So it's not, you know, completely baseball centric. My daughter didn't really mm -hmm. used to like baseball very much. And so she would just kind of sit there and color or something like during the game. Uh, but we would go to like an art studio or museum or something. Mm -hmm. And she would really like that. But now she's come to become a huge baseball fan. She knows more about it than um, a lot of people. And so she loves going to the games. And so that's been yeah. a really neat evolution to see as well. Yeah, I bet that's really cool. And you're definitely breaking more than three per year. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've gotten yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah. Five years um, and really only four because of, of COVID. So four years and 21 of them, that's uh, just over, that's <laughs> what, um, uh, 5.25 per year. Right. You're, you're yep. smoking it. You're, yeah. you're cruising along. So, um, what, uh, what, what are you still missing and what, uh, what has been your plan to try to get those last nine? Yeah. Now they're kind of like, um, a, a smattering in different parts. We've got like mm -hmm. Seattle and a couple in Texas. We have Miami, uh, we have Toronto, um, we still have one more in Chicago. So they're kind of like, now they're sort of sp spread around. We still have to go to San Francisco uh, Oakland, Oakland going there. away. They're getting moved to Las Vegas, so we won't probably huh? won't make it to actual Oakland. But so yeah, yeah, they're kind of still scattered around. So that's uh, again how we sort of plan some of our various trips. We have really prioritized travel as a family, and mm -hmm. this has been a big piece of that. But the last two or three years, we've traveled like six to eight weeks a year. And really cool. uh, mostly as a family. And so mm -hmm. it's been, it, you know, that's been really great. I mean, it's, we have lived simply for the most part, otherwise in our kind of personal expense fields and, you know, travel is where we have chosen to invest. It's a great way to, to spend family time to, to unplug, you know, we're very much in the public eye in the work that we do. And we, we love being around our hometown, but uh, also it's sometimes great to to get away, to get some space, to get inspired by yeah. what others are doing, other communities, and so uh, that's been been kind of our our outlet. That's awesome. Yeah, um, you mentioned uh, I don't know if it was pre call or on this call, but um, uh, a fan abundance trip with your with your family. What uh, which one did you go to? Uh, and then tell me about that. Yeah, so there's a great story uh, around that. So we went uh, this past January to Lake Tahoe, uh, Fan Abundance event, and we, we really enjoyed it, loved meeting the other families that were at that event. But we signed up in October or November to go to the trip mm -hmm. in, at the end of January. And I knew that Lake Tahoe was like big for skiing. And I was talking to a friend at a, at a, Go Abundance, a local Go Abundance meetup in November. And he was like, man, my family just started skiing a few years ago. We ski together. It's been great. It's like great, like riding the lift with the kids and like spending that time together. And, and I was like, man, that's, that does sound really great. I was like, I think I mm -hmm. want, I think I want that for our family. And so I went home and announced, kind of announced to my wife, uh, I said, like, I really want us to learn how to ski. And she was like, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> what do you propose? I'm like, we've got three Hills in yeah, Ohio, just uh, so you know, <laughs> exactly. That might be an overstatement, but I was like, you know, we're going to get the kids skis for Christmas. We're going to like do lessons. And I want our goal to be like to, to ski for real when we go to Lake Tahoe at the end of January. And she said, 
okay. I mean, you've done crazier things. So I've been along for the ride for that. So uh, we'll go for it. So we gave our kids skis for Christmas. They were like so excited. And we went out for our first lesson, like shortly after New New Year's. And we had like three weekends to learn how to ski before we went to Lake Tahoe. And like, long story short, we did it. And we also did like an all day ski school out at Lake Tahoe, which was awesome. It was more breathtaking than what I imagined it would be up there. And like, we really, really actually skied. But one like quick story, just again, the great dad story. Like, so we went out for our very first lesson at one of the, yes, not so big hills in Ohio. And we were doing the lesson and we had like been on the, like the, it's not even like a bunny slope. It's just like the very slightly tilted area that has like the belt. (laughs) And so we'd been in that area kind of learning how to not fall for like most of our lesson, which is really humbling to a 40 year old Mm -hmm. guy. And, you know, to, to, to just be looking like Bambi when there's like all these little kids (laughs) that are like whizzes on their skis. Uh And we we're getting towards the end. We're starting to feel confident. We weren't falling. We're like, our instructor was like, do you want to do, you know, one run down the, the slightly bigger hill, which was actually much bigger than this just slanted area. Of course. And so we're like, yeah, let's try it. Kids, you want to do it? Yep, let's do it. And so we got up to the top. We struggled to get over. And my son just like points his ski straight down the slope and just takes off flying. And like completely loses control, like wrecks, you know, skis go flying. He's, uh-huh. you know, flips over and is laying on the ground. I get down there to him and he's, you know, kind of crying and just like, just scared and is in terrible shape. He, he looks at me and he says, dad, that was completely terrifying. I am never going to ski again. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my wife uh-huh. and I said, I think we've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> like I might have like just went a little too hard, too fast on this, you know, cause again, we had bought all this gear and I mean, we were like all in. Mm-hmm. And so I was wise enough to just kind of like usher everyone back to the car. We, we drove home quietly, you know, had some music playing and just like, we'll deal with this later. Yeah. And it ended up actually being a really awesome teachable moment. And and really the whole skiing experience was this just like perfect opportunity to have these conversations about falling down, getting back up. Mm-hmm. I played the, the grit Ted talk for my son, the Angela Duckworth grit Ted talk for my son on our way over to this, our second lesson. <laughs> and we talked about grit and like what it meant to just like, keep going when it was hard and it was just it really was all of these conversations strung together where we were able to talk about failure and then how you have to fail on your road to success and so it Mm -hmm. it actually ended up being great and now my kids love to ski and they've they've both gotten better than my wife and i already in, in one winter but so anyway that was all kind of started from committing to go to this yeah. Lake Tahoe abundance trip. So that's awesome. Yeah. The, you know, the, uh, I, I've been trying to preach to my, my sons like failure is a, it's an event, not a person. Yeah. You will never be a failure. You have failing moments, absolutely. Um, but it's only a failure. If you don't learn from it, you get back up, you move forward. Yeah. It is what it is. Right. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that, uh, 
um, you know, when he was riding his dirt bike when he was like, I don't know, six years old, five years old, he crashed into a tree. Um, I'm done, daddy. I'm done, daddy. I'm done. We're never doing this again. I said, no, we, we totally are like literally right now. Cause you got to ride the dirt bike back to the house and I'm not going to let you stop at the moment that you just crashed into a tree. Um, and, uh, and, and those are the types of moments, like you said, they're so teachable when they go through a, a heartache and they go through a, a hard time. And, uh, and I'm thinking that, you know, even later on in life, when, when there's a hard time with a, a, a you know, a friend, something goes wrong with a friend, mm-hmm. like this is another teachable moment. We get to have these, have these conversations and, you know, dig into what this actually means and what it can mean for growth and how you can get better. Um, and that's one thing I do love about fan abundance too, is like, it's, it's families getting together, talking about this. My, the first fan abundance I went to was a Tahoe one a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, um, I was not able to make it. My wife wasn't able to get the time off at this past one. Um, I was very sad. I went to Tahoe myself, but I wasn't able to bring the family, but, um, uh, but yeah, that we did a, a ropes course that time a, a few years ago and okay. it was so much fun watching my son go through this ropes course. And like, we built like this little ice castle afterwards and, or no, we climbed through an ice castle. We didn't build it. It was already built. Um, um, and doing all like, it was just so much fun watching them come out of their shell and do different things. And, um, we're going to be going again in January. I don't know if you're going to Vermont. Are you mm, doing that one? Yeah. We haven't officially committed, but we have talked about what, yes, that is our intention okay. to go. Well, it's time to commit. So it we're going to pause the podcast right now. <laughs> you're gonna get on you're gonna go purchase <laughs> but i i actually haven't bought the fan bonnets one i finally just got clearance on what what i'm going to be able to do so we've got the au pair um as well and i was like i don't i don't know what i pay for like coming in with like an au pair and a baby and i don't like so yeah. um but we've got it all figured out now so i'll be jumping on on purchasing it i've already bought for for the uh, men's event but not the fan bonnets one but um so they love skiing as well and mm-hmm. um adam has tried skiing and snowboarding and um he has yet to figure out which one he likes best um and my youngest has only really tried or my youngest boy has only really tried um uh, skiing at the moment so we'll see kind of i've got a snowboard that's gonna be passed down from his brother but um, those moments of just crashing on the hill or doing different things and like you know just it's a lot of fun to just work through those and uh there's tears and it's difficult and it's yeah. uh, you know it yeah. works on our patients too especially when i'm hungry man if i'm <laughs> hungry my patience is gone i gotta yeah. like i gotta bring snacks on the mouth that's that's yeah. the important thing yeah smart absolutely. wife yes yeah key to a man's heart is through his stomach yep. so um, bring the snacks but so when you were at uh, Fan Bonnets, what was your biggest takeaway? You think with with the family um, and your kids? Oh man, um, I think that it was really great for our kids to see that like we're not the only crazy ones. I think that yes. was like a really yes. a great uh, <laughs> opportunity for for them to see like wow, there is like other families that kind of do crazy stuff like they're mm-hmm. the run of businesses they've got real estate they you know they travel they they work on personal development they they wear aura rings uh you know they're you just like yep. weird stuff that like you don't they don't see a lot with their their uh friends from school or whatever so that was something that was i think a real eye opener for them and then it was just it was just a good opportunity for us to get to get you know to get together with other families and also have family time ourselves talking about mm-hmm. things like goals and and family values and um when are the times when we're at our best as a family and what do we admire about each other and and things like that that again maybe we don't always just bring up in day-to-day conversation we talk about that a 
a change of pace plus a change of place equals a change of perspective. And so that was, that's, that's why I go to, to various conferences and go abundance events and things like that, because it does often give that different change up on perspective and helps us to zoom out. And so to be able to do that individually as family members and then also together as a family was, was a great experience. No, I really like that change of pace plus change of place equals a different perspective, change of perspective. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if only I was there for it. I shake. I know. It. But I know. we, yeah, we did. Uh, we went out to Montana last summer for it, and okay, and yeah. it was just a lot of fun watching the boys light fires and go do things. It just, I mean, absolutely love it. Um, but so tell me, um, when as you're as you're building all this stuff out and you're doing all these things, um, what uh, what is your next level of pure and actual involvement in the business that you want them to do? Or uh, actually, let me rephrase this. I think I want to go a different direction. What have your kids expressed interest in inside the business in wanting to do next inside the family business stuff? Yeah, we're trying to figure that out exactly. Um, my daughter just really enjoys working. She's a hard worker and she loves going with her mom to the toy store. She loves r- running the register. She loves helping unpack merchandise. And like she is a worker. Uh, my son is just uh different as as kids are and i he enjoys more hearing and learning about the actual business business principles talking about again that stuff like margins and different things mm-hmm. that um are interesting and so like he i think he has more of like a uh, he's looking for hacks <laughs> i think that you know it's uh sometimes i think that he may enjoy uh business or or pursue something that way just because he doesn't want to have to go get a a real job i'll say mm-hmm. that in a disparaging way i mean i i don't either um but yeah. um you know he he sees us working hard and so hopefully we're we're building that work ethic as well my daughter seems to have a little less interest at this time i mean again she's 11 years old mm-hmm. um in having a small business or something she she's talking about more traditional career tracks like nursing or teaching or something like that but what is important to me is that they at least understand it and if they consciously choose that they feel that their calling and their life's work is is doing something that would require them to be a a w-2 employee then i'm going to of course be supportive in that but i also hope that they go into it like eyes wide open and they understand what we do, why we do it, the benefits Mm -hmm. of doing it. And they definitely see the drawbacks of doing it as well. And so I want them to totally get the small business thing. And then similarly, like from a real estate standpoint, I also like say my daughter wants to become a a teacher. Uh, Mm -hmm. I would support that, but I also, I think would encourage her to, to, to to buy up a little bit of real estate and to yeah. to help enhance her her income and her her wealth generating capacity from that perspective and to just to see that opportunity and to be able to take that and run with it and and use what she's learned or use me as a resource to help her 
navigate that process, whether mm-hmm. it's house hacking or buying a, a rental or, or being part of uh, some sort of opportunity that way. So I, I think that there's lots of opportunities you want to expose them to. And then what they do with that is, is ultimately, of course, up to them. Nice. Yeah. I, um, I do my best not to, to force it down like wherever. Right. And, and I say that as I'm saying all these things that I'm even going to include in their school. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but at the same point, again, I want them to be exposed to it. Like well, I'm, I want to find their interest. And I love that you have noticed the difference between your two kids' interest and what, what motivates them one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, because we can, you know, that's one of the things I love about the idea of homeschooling is I can tailor to where they're at and what their, what their desires are, what they want to learn. Like if we, if all of a sudden they want to learn about Egyptian history for the next the next month, we could dig deep into Egyptian history. It's not okay. Well, that's this week's lesson. Next week is is something else. Like now, like what the heck? We can dig into this. This is one of the things you're interested in. Let's dig into it. Let's learn. You know, if if um, you know learning about margins and supply and demand is what you want to learn, then guess what? Let's do it. If you mm-hmm. want to learn about whatever, I mean, I think that's awesome. Um, do you think that? that it, when were the what were the signs necessarily or or did you is it more just evident just to, just in 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 general like that you said okay well um i think that uh olivia is going to go down this path and emerson is going down this path and uh like where did you catch on to some of that a lot earlier just in just in their ethic as uh as younger kids or you know was it more like hey as they grew up they were just like boy i hate that and like was it more conversational that we got to expose this stuff or just through experience that you got to expose this stuff yeah probably a little bit of both i mean i would say that it's especially been showing up over the last like few years that we've we've talked we talk about it you know we openly discuss Mm -hmm. like do you think you'd be interested in having a a small business or do you think that rental properties are of interest to you and and just asking those questions and and it's pretty typically like my son is like well yeah I, i i think i'd like to do that it sounds really really interesting and my daughter's just kind of like yeah Nah, probably not. (laughs) So, you know, but again, I think I, you know, I'm not like allowing that to crush me or or anything by any means. I mean, first of all, again, it's her decision, but also, you know, how many kids have you heard that, you know, I've heard the story tens of times and dozens of times where like people that have been involved in small business, you know, they swear off that they're never going to be involved in the family business. They go off to college, they move out of state, and then they're like the prodigal son or something where they're like, you know what? Like, actually I would have it really good. Like being part yeah. of the family business. And I do, I actually do kind of like hanging out with my parents. I like, we could maybe work yeah. together or whatever. And, and then they come back full circle. I've got a few different friends that have told me that exact story, like almost verbatim. Yeah. They're like, ah, I had no desire to be part of it. And then I went out into the world and then I decided like, I actually like, living around my hometown and I like working as part of the family business. So they come back around. So those are, those are neat experiences. And it goes back to that. Like we are, we're, we're so wise when we're teenagers and we know everything, you know, and then you get out in the real world and you realize, well, I don't know anything. Like I completely understand why they're doing what they're doing now. I I totally want to be a part of the family business, but Yeah. yeah, I, 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 I haven't, you know, I mean, again, eight and four, um, the three month old, obviously we're um, excluding as part of this particular portion of the conversation <laughs> because she has, well, there's, there's nothing exposed right now other than the fact that she likes to eat and sleep. Um, 
Me too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm already tired. Um, but uh, uh, I I don't quite know where the boys are are fitting in yet. You know, still trying to to yeah. feel it out. And um, I always fear that if I talk too much about certain things, that I'm going to start forcing in a certain direction, and I don't want that to be the case. Um, you know, because I I get excited. I like to talk about business. I like to talk right. about what I'm doing. I like to show them things. And um, you know, I I just. I don't want it to get to the point where they're like, dad, never again. I don't want to hear this, you know, cause I want them to, to learn it. But, um, uh, but there is always that fear that it's too much that they, that they're going to be just, you know, feel like they're being forced into it or something. And I yeah. never want that to be the case. Yeah. I want them to make their, make their own decisions. So it is a fine line. I think where we just got to, it, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, it's, it's like so many things in parenting. There's, <laughs> there's no perfect black and white answer, but mm-hmm. it, what's fascinating is like what kids pick up on, perceive and yep. hear just in the course of being around you. If you're talking about business, if they overhear you on mm-hmm. the phone, if you're talking with your wife about a business deal or, or a problem team member or something like that. And I mean, my, my kids pick up on it all the time. I don't think that they are. They'll, they'll mention something later. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting just being around it. They're, they're picking it up. And then, I, yeah, I, I think it's hard to know exactly how much education is appropriate, but I think we probably sound like both air a little bit on the side of like, well, you know, it's, it's going to be good for you to learn about it. And yeah. what you do with it as time goes on is, up to you, but we at least, this is a big part of our family life. And, you know, let alone the fact that perhaps there may be a day where you are called upon to steward the, the assets that we have mm-hmm. acquired. And you need to have the wisdom, the character, and the education to be able to handle that or else it will crush you. And yeah. so from that perspective, I do think that it's important that they learn at least the basics. Again, they don't need to maybe be in all the weeds of all the different things. But I I believe strongly that as much of my job, you know, if, if things go as, as we plan, we're going to build some wealth over our lifetime. And we're still deciding and, and kind of evolving on our thought process with what we're going to do with that. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a point in time likely that our, our kids will have access to, to some of that. And, and I don't want it to be a hindrance. I, I, we yeah. haven't worked so hard and tried to be wise all this time and through our lives to just allow it to be a curse to our kids because they don't know how to handle it or they don't have the character yeah. to handle it. And so I, I do think that we have a responsibility to at least educate them from that perspective. I can, I completely agree. And I think you're on the right track for sure. And giving that, even just getting them involved, understanding work ethic, seeing how you interact with your employees, seeing how, you know, um, one thing that you said that really stuck out to me and I took a note, if I can find it on all of my notes. Yeah. We're, we're not over our people. We're under our people. And you like, you're, mm. you know, you're supporting them there, you know, um, it can often feel like, especially as the owner of the business that they're working for you. And, um, but you know, if it wasn't for the employees, we wouldn't have a business, right? So, Absolutely. uh, um, you know, it, it, instilling that early, I think is extremely important. Um, so I think you're definitely on the right track in doing that. And I think that, you know, what I often say is, is I, if my son wants to join the military, like I did great. I just don't, I want him to know that he has, that it's an 
option, not the only option. Right. I didn't know there were other options. I just said that that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so that's why I joined the military. I want them to be exposed to the fact that you're, like the world is your oyster. You can do whatever the heck you want to. Like, if you want to go be a doctor, if you want to go in the military, if you want to be a pilot, if you want to run businesses like dad, if you like whatever, like mm-hmm. just know that there's options and I'm here to support you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great perspective for sure. But we'll see how effective it is. I don't know. Yeah. I will tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As on a lot uh, of these things. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, see how it plays out. <laughs> I sound really good right now in 10 years. And you come and look at me and you're like, yeah, way to go, Adam. You might want to delete those uh-huh. old podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Luke, I want to ask you if there's anything you would like to ask me, anything that we haven't covered that you want to uh, talk about, anything that maybe we've missed, anything that you're like, hey, I really wanted to chat about this today, anything you got uh, on your side. Hmm. Man, I just I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk from this perspective. You know, there's there's a lot of discussion out there about business and real estate and the things that we're interested in. And there's lots of content, um, but I would say less so about being a dad. And, you know, it's, man, it's one of our most important jobs, uh, if not yeah. our, our most important job, aside from being a, you know, faithful, committed husband. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, 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 I do say that I, I will like clarify the order. So I remember when I was in, we were in premarital counseling, my wife and I, we went and did premarital counseling. We actually had uh, two different like pastors that were part of our wedding ceremony. We did premarital mm-hmm. counseling with each of them. One of them, we went to his office for a session and right behind him on his you know, bookshelf, similar to what you have there behind you. And it said, there was a little sign that said, the best thing that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that as a tw- 21, two year old and thinking, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. That seems kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, I feel like there's a lot more things that a dad should do for his kids. But man, as as my life has went on and I have seen carnage in families and I've experienced my own, you know, uh, challenges and and dynamics with with my wife and kids. I see I see the wisdom in that, mm-hmm. and so I do. You know, not that you can't be a good dad if you're not with with your children's mother, but if there's still an opportunity to to do that, and it is a commitment, and um, it's hard, but it is uh, one of the very best things we can do for our, for our kids. So. Um, but yeah, but it's it's great to have this opportunity to just talk about some of these things and to compare notes and to uh, I think hopefully both be reassured that we're uh, not getting it too wrong and that we're at mm-hmm. least on the right track and that we we step off the path we make some mistakes but then we get back on it and and we're doing it with intention and I think that that's really important that yeah. when we set our minds that this is something that's important to us and we support it with with our calendar and we, we make the time for our families and for our kids that uh, we'll, we'll get the right results over time. So, you know, I hope that there's somebody out there that, that needs encouraged in that. Maybe they've made some mistakes as I have for sure. uh, That the 
if, if you're still being a dad today and you're giving it your best, it, you know, what's done yesterday is, is over with. And we have today that, that we can make a difference. So let's do yeah. it to the best of our ability. I love that. Thank you very much for, for those words. Evan. It's, uh, um, that's spot on. And the same thing I usually say, God, wife, then my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, then anything else after that. So, um, if, if, I want to strongly encourage folks that to, to, like you were saying, to really keep that relationship with your spouse strong. Like it is not easy, especially when you have kids running around, Mm. especially like, I mean, you got businesses, you got kids, you got all sorts of stuff. Um, if the relationship with your wife starts going, the rest of it starts going too. like, it just, it's bound to happen. Um, and I think in society today, we've looked at, um, marriage too much as a, um, as just a, it's, a social situation as opposed to uh, an actual like covenant with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a, Oh, well, I mean, it's so easy to just get a divorce. No big deal. Like, no, like it should be very difficult to get a divorce because right. it should be something that just irks you inside to have to go through that because you have an actual commitment to your spouse. Um, and, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm, I know that it's not easy. I've, I've, you know, with my wife and I both being military for quite a while and being across the world from each other at different spots and different things going yeah. on and all sorts of craziness and having kids and uh, being deployed while having kids and all like, I mean, I get it light. Like it is not easy. Um, but it doesn't get easier by, by avoiding it and ignoring it. So right. um, just, you know, so put it, put in the dedication to your wife, just like you do into your business and you know, it'll thrive. So absolutely. But, but Luke, I really appreciate you jumping on. It was great getting to know you a little bit more and chat with you. If somebody wants to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about what you're doing or maybe invest in one of your projects, what's the easiest way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, you can um, reach out through uh, our website, henrydevelopmentgroup.com. It's luke at henrydevelopmentgroup.com. If you want to shoot me an email, contact. Um, I'm on uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Happy to connect that way, stay in touch with good people. So, yeah, I really uh, love the opportunity here, Chad, and thank you again for it. Yeah, thank you so much, Luke. It was uh, it was an absolute pleasure. And like you said, um, I think we both kind of helped each other realize that we're at least on the same path. Uh, um, we'll find out later if it's the right path, right. Uh, but at least we know we're on a similar path. So. <laughs> but uh, stick around for a second. And uh, and but yeah, everybody else, thank you so much. I, I hope you really uh, enjoyed the conversation just like I did. Um, there there are many times in these conversations that I almost forget that we're recording. I just enjoy you know, getting to know people a little bit deeper and, and talking about this stuff. And I hope that uh, anybody listening also enjoys it. So um, if you are enjoying it, please let us know whether it's uh, liking, commenting, subscribing, all that type of stuff. Um, it would mean a lot to me. So thank you uh, again, Luke. Thank you, everybody listening. And we'll uh, see you guys on the next show. Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us. And we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids. Keep crushing it.